We're going to talk about some steps we all need to take. And then the third week in this series, we're going to talk about a foolproof plan that will help us to stay on track in our lives. And so I think it's going to be a helpful series, a powerful series, and I'm glad you guys are here for week one of it. If you have your Bibles, why don't you join me in turning to the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, as you're turning there, how many of you have ever heard a news report or read in a book where there was some elaborate study done, a lot of money spent, smart people uh, thought and came to a conclusion that you already knew? I remember, for example, one time reading a book on, on the family, and I, I like to read books on marriage and family, and, and this one book, they had a whole chapter talking about the importance of having dinner as a family, and I thought, I can't believe that really smart people had to do a study to determine something that I just kind of instinctively already knew. I remember another time hearing of scientists who uh, were sharing how it is that uh, the universe came into being really in, in just an instant and they had all their theories and, and how it all came to be and I didn't understand everything they were saying but I knew this that the Bible says in the beginning God created. I knew that it all happened in a moment and sometimes people do a lot of work to come to conclusions that for most people we already knew before they even got involved in the study. I had a time like that recently. I was reading a book, getting ready to start this new year. I was very excited about all that God had for uh, the opportunities that lay ahead. And, and I read some studies, and there were these social psychologists, Tim Gilovich and Vicki Medvek, and, and they went through this elaborate study on the topic of regret, of regret. And they found that 84% of people suffer more from what they call inaction regret rather than action regret. And what that means is the longer we live in life, our regrets more than not are those things we did not do rather than just the things that we did do that were regretful. And I think we all understand I won't have a raise of hands today, but I know that all of us have said things and we've done things that we regretted, and, and, I, and I understand that, and, and of course we want to avoid those occasions, but as we get this new year started, I want to try and power you up this morning and help you to realize that, that really we have one life to live, and you're not going to want to get to the other end of life and look back and say, man, I wish I would have, I wish I'd have done that or said that or gone there. You want to make sure that you limit those regrets and make sure you live the life God has for you. Theodore Roosevelt once said this. He said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing, is nothing. And, and you know, many times we, we talk about life and, and we seek to play it safe. Uh, we venture nothing, therefore we gain nothing. I'm not talking today about living foolishly, but I am talking about living life to the fullest. I'm talking about getting out of the shallow end, so to speak, and going for it, and, and launching out, and seeking to live a great life for a great God. And so I'm challenging you this year to go big, go big. I want you to live so big this year uh, that the only way you'll achieve your God-given goals is by way of the power of God. I want you to get involved in something this year that requires faith in order for it to be successful. And for that to take place, we have to make some decisions. And 2017 is still fresh, it's still new. We're going to talk today about some decisions that we all need to make. Now, now we're going to be studying a passage today written by a man that, that lived life to the fullest. This was a man who I'm sure his regret list of things he didn't get to was pretty small. He lived a full life. He was busy all of the time. He made the most of the days that God gave him. Now, yes, he totally endured some setbacks along the way. 
but the overall trajectory of his life was onward and upward. He kept moving forward. He kept pressing on. Even when the setbacks came, he would just plow through those and he would move forward. And, and he has a lot to teach us. The man whose words we're going to study today is the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this letter in the Bible that we call the book of Philippians by way of the inspiration of God. And he wrote it while sitting in a jail cell. Sometimes we call the book of Philippians a prison epistle. And that just means it was a letter that Paul wrote from prison. And I find it ironic that God wrote through Paul this letter that we call Philippians while he was in a jail cell. And the topic of it is so optimistic, it is encouraging, it is joy-filled. It's a wonderful, wonderful, encouraging book of the Bible. And, and in the words we're going to study today, we're going to be confronted with three decisions we must make. We must make. I'm going to talk today about three decisions you just have to make. You have to make them. You have to make them right now, today, and I'm going to challenge all of you to make these decisions today, but they're decisions that need to be made every day, every day of our lives. This is such an encouraging passage, and I'm so excited to teach the Word of God to you today. If you're ready to receive teaching, say amen. 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 Why don't you all join me in standing, if you're able, as we read the Word of God today, Philippians chapter 3, and uh, I'll begin reading in verse 12, Philippians chapter 3. In verse 12, Paul says here, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want us today to see these dynamic decisions from the Word of God. Our Father, we thank you today for this opportunity we have to learn, to study, to grow. I pray that you'd open our hearts. God, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would call each of us today to make decisions that would be pleasing and honoring to you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want you to know today that life is a gift from God. Life is wonderful. Life is full of blessings. Life is, is a gift from God. It's great. And, and I'm looking forward to going to heaven one day. But in between this day and that day, I, I don't want to skip over this great opportunity we have to live life. I, I, I want to spend eternity in heaven with God, but I'm enjoying His presence at this moment. And life is something that we're to seize and to live to the fullest. But, but I want you to know that it, it, it's, it's really uh, not hard for us to understand that life is not always an easy thing. As I mentioned, even just last week, spending time with people that I love who are going through difficulty, I was just reminded that we all go through difficulties, and sometimes they are incredible. And as we prepare to enter into a new year, I, I want you to know that we're all going to find open doors, and we're all going to find opportunities. And we'll also find some closed doors, and the corresponding discouragement that accompanies opportunities that we think are closed off to us. Now, I mentioned this to you today not to be negative. That's not my desire at all. I mention this because if we enter into a new year of life without the understanding that there can be some, some difficulties we'll face along the way, it'll totally blow our minds. 
If you had no idea there were going to be any speed bumps in the road of life, the first time you had a speed bump, it would absolutely shatter your ideas of where it is you could go in the future. And, and so we need to be prepared and understand that we've got a great life to live. We've got a great opportunity in a new year. There are going to be a bunch of great opportunities, and there are going to be some difficulties along the way as well. And the Apostle Paul understood this well. In fact, the journey that led him to the city of Philippi, the ones to whom he's writing this letter, it was not an easy journey. As he told the story, in fact, he said there were two times where there was a door of opportunity that he thought was open. And on two different occasions, he said, you know, but God closed that door. I thought for sure this was the way I was supposed to go. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that's what I was supposed to have. But God said, nope, not for you, not now, not here. He said on two different occasions, God closed the door. And then he arrived in Philippi, and some good things started happening. It was amazing how God began to work, and then he was arrested for just being a preacher of the gospel. Now again, Paul was not a negative guy at all. He was far from that, but as he told the story of what happened in, in Philippians to some other friends, he, he said this in 1 Thessalonians 2. He said, but even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Paul said, let me tell you how things went at Philippi. We suffered. We were treated shamefully. There was no shame from Paul's perspective in how he was treated, but those that treated Paul wrong, they, they deserved the shame. He said, we were shamefully entreated. So the, the ultimate story of Paul's experience in Philippi was success. God did an unbelievable work there. A church was started. Souls were saved. Things were going great. In fact, I told you earlier that Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel, and he was placed in jail for that. But the rest of that story is Paul then leads the jailer to Jesus Christ, and his whole family gets saved, and they, they get baptized. It was an incredible, incredible time in his life. So Paul understood how life worked. He understood that life is just one great opportunity to follow Jesus and serve him. Paul knew there were opportunities to be had. Paul knew the value of living his life for the highest of all purposes, which is the purpose of God. And he also knew that sometimes along the way there would be resistance in the path. And so it's with this knowledge that he opens up his heart and he wrote a letter back to these people that he loved. And, and in our text, we find that Paul gives three elements of his understanding that kept him moving forward in his life he shared his faith but he he shared the thought process to which his faith led him that that allowed him to enjoy success in the eyes of god and it was all wrapped up in the decisions he made and so from these words we can discern what these decisions were and we need to be confronted with these today so with your notes nearby here's the first decision we have to make as we enter into this new year we have to make this here it is number one decide to grow decide to grow. Now, there's a beautiful picture here in Paul's words. And in verse 12, into the beginning of verse 13, he said it this way. He said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. Now that's a little bit of a tongue twister, but I want you to know what Paul's saying here is absolutely awesome. But Paul is writing to these people, and, and he was saying in essence to, to these people, he said, you know, I haven't arrived in life. He said, Jesus has gotten a hold of me. He's apprehended me. 
And he said, in the course of my life, I'm trying to get a hold or apprehend the reason for which God has apprehended me. I'm living my life, I'm investing my day, seeking to fulfill the purpose for which God made me. But he said, guys, you need to know this, I haven't arrived yet, I'm not perfect, I've got room to grow. This was the testimony of a man who was so thankful for a Savior that had saved him spiritually. He wanted to live his life doing that which God had saved him to do. Now, listen, he did not do to become saved. He did not work himself into a relationship with God. But because of a relationship with God, he said, I want to do. I want to work. I want to serve. I want to live this life to the fullest. I want to fulfill my purpose. I met with a friend some time ago that I hadn't seen in a while, and, and uh, we went through the, the talk, you know, how you doing? Fine. How's the family? Fine. We kind of went through all that, and, and then we got past the veneer of kind of that necessary, perfunctory, superficial, introductory conversation we all go through as humans, and I get it, and, and when the friendship emerged, we were able to dig a little bit deeper, and, and I said, so, how are you really doing? He said, Steve, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, I was glad to hear that. Not everybody's doing great. And uh, I said, well, man, tell me about it. And he began to talk and tell me about some things. And, and uh, don't tell him I said this. You don't know who it is. But as he's talking, I'm thinking to myself, this doesn't sound great. It sounds kind of mundane, average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, mediocre. He defined it as great. And as he's speaking, I, I was just in my heart thinking, when are you going to get to the great part? It, it, it doesn't sound great yet. And the more he talked, he went on to kind of explain that there were some areas he was hoping to see some growth in, but, but it didn't work out, but, but it's okay. It worked out for some other people, but basically those who were really excelling, he had a way of saying, yeah, but they have something I don't have, or they have an opportunity I didn't get, or they have an ability that I'll never have. And, and then he would speak of those who it seemed as though were doing less in life, and, and he kind, kind of found a little validation from saying, well, I'm, I'm doing better than this family member, I'm doing better than that family friend that we have in common and and really the more he talked I realized that what this man was doing was comparing himself to other people and trying to find validation in his station in life listen by discounting people that he perceived to be more successful and by and by looking at those that he perceived to be less successful now again our perceptions can be wrong but he would look at those doing a little bit less and say i'm doing better than them and those that he thought were really doing well he would he would excuse their success and say they have something i don't have let me tell you what's wrong with comparing ourselves we either live in anguish because we're looking at those who are getting what we think is more done than we are or we live in arrogance because we're looking at others that we think are getting less done than we are. And Paul was a man who was totally against comparing ourselves one with another. He said, you can't do that. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote another letter there. And in chapter 10 of that letter, he said this. He said, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Paul said, listen, let me tell you a very unwise thing to do in life. It is unwise for you to evaluate your progress or your growth by looking at other people to see how you're doing measured against them. So we have to wonder, how was Paul able to say in this passage, I count not myself to have apprehended? 
How could he say that? And I think the key is found in the reality that Paul counted himself. He looked within. He measured his progress in life, not against the pace of others or the lack of pace in others, but against his God-given abilities and his God-given opportunities. He said, there's been some evaluation going on. I've counted myself. I've taken a look at where I am from where I've come. I counted myself. Paul was saying this, I have my own race to run in life, and it's unique to me. How could I compare my race against everybody else? I have to count myself. Paul was able to say this from a, from a sincere heart. He could say, I am thankful for who I am in Jesus Christ, and I am thankful for where I am in life at this moment. And he could say this, I am so thankful that I have a God who is so incredibly huge that there is always somewhere else for me to go as long as I see the need to grow. As simple as this sounds, friends, you will never grow in your life until you recognize you have a need for growth and you decide to grow. Paul used couple different words in our text that were translated the same way and I think it really gives us an understanding of where he was going with this thought in verse 12 for example Paul said this not as though I had already attained either were already perfect so Paul said listen I haven't arrived I haven't attained I'm I'm not perfect and and then just a few verses later in verse 15 Paul said this he said, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. So in a span of a few verses, Paul says, I'm not perfect. And then he says, hey guys, all of us that are perfect, let's, let's move on. And we can say, well, Paul, wait a minute, you said you're not perfect, and here you're saying you're perfect. And the reality is that in that passage, it was two different concepts found in really two different words in the language of the New Testament. In the first word, when Paul said, I haven't arrived and I'm not perfect, he was, he was saying, I haven't reached the end of my race. I haven't completely arrived in that sense. The, the second word, however, means to be mature. It means, by definition, to be at an advanced stage of development. Now, I want you to catch this, because this is the heart we have to have. Paul said, I want you to know something. I have not reached the destination. I'm not perfect in that sense. But Paul said, I am perfect in the sense that I'm mature. My development is ever increasing. And friends, the most mature thing a person can do is to learn to count themselves and realize because we have a great God, there are always more steps to take. And a sign of maturity is saying, God, I want to move forward in my life for your glory. I am not perfect. I haven't arrived. But God, you're maturing me. Therefore, I want to keep moving and I want to keep growing. The most mature people are the ones who are the most aware of the great opportunities to grow in life and they seize them for God. We need to decide to grow. Here's the second one. Number two, decide to forget. Decide to forget. Now let's look to the end of verse 13. Paul wrote this there. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, now Paul used metaphors all through this letter that we call Philippians. He'd use word pictures that his readers would read and they would immediately have a deeper understanding. Sometimes in this particular letter, Paul would use analogies about farming. And of course, people in an agricultural society would, would understand how that went. And so Paul would use something they understood to help them 
understand something that before they hadn't gotten a hold of. He used sometimes analogies about military, and Philippi was a, a, a Roman town, and they would have had a garrison of soldiers there, and they would have understood things about the military. And, and here Paul uses an analogy of competing in a race. And I'm going to get into that more in a moment. But the point he makes here is that you are not going to move forward unless you decide to leave some things in the past. Just leave them behind you. And I love this. The idea in this word forget is not to literally have memory loss. It's not to have memory loss. Memory loss is a tough thing. Spending time with family this week that uh, forgets things that one time was just so sharp. I was thinking of this. Uh, my mom's just such a brilliant person. Knows four languages, a couple master's degrees, taught at the college level, and, and, and struggles remembering some things now. Remembering. But Paul wasn't saying to people that the key to life is getting amnesia or, 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 or forgetting in that sense. That, that's not the idea. When Paul said forgetting those things, he, he wasn't saying lose your memory. In fact, there's a, a verse that deals with the way God handles this. In Hebrews 10, the Bible says this, And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. What God said is this, Hey, I've made a decision, I'm forgetting that. I've made a decision, I'm not remembering that, I'm not recollecting that, I'm not bringing that up, I'm, I'm forgetting that. It doesn't mean that there's no recall, it means a, a deliberation in our minds to forget. It means that God no longer holds sin against those who've trusted Him by faith. And when Paul speaks of forgetting here, he's using this dynamic teaching to help us understand that we no longer need to be influenced by things that have held us back in the past. One author defined it this way, breaking the power of the past by living for the future. I love that. Breaking the chains that have held us back in the past by living for the future. Now, listen, I, I'm aware of who I'm speaking to this morning. And all of us have had experiences, even in the last year, where we've had failures in our lives that can haunt us. Uh, they can become obstacles to us moving forward. And so today, what I'm trying to say is this. We have a great God who's got a great life for you to live for His glory. There's a great purpose found in loving Him and serving Him and doing the things that He would have us to do. And nothing that has happened in your past, it deserves a, a, enough attention in your mind to prevent you from moving forward. And so I'm trying to power you up. I, I want you to understand that something wonderful can happen in your future if you can leave the ugliness of some things in the past behind. And the best way to move forward is just to decide to live from today on. To live from right now into the future. Paul had both great successes in his life as well as incredible failures at times. But he kept moving. Why? He was able to forget some things. He was able to learn, take his lumps, and move on. He simply refused to let what happened yesterday determine what his tomorrow could hold. I want you to think of that. He refused to let yesterday determine what tomorrow could hold. Every year at this time, I stand here and I say, I pray that this year will be the greatest year you've ever had. And I mean it every year. And I really believe that if we'll learn to make these decisions we're discussing today, we'll see that there can be incremental and great growth even in the course of our lives. But we have to learn to, uh, to let some of these things go that would hold us back. Don't let your yesterdays determine what your tomorrows are going to be. And that leads us to the final thought this morning. 
We have to decide to finish. Decide to finish. So as Paul concludes his remarks here, he wrote this. He said, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here again, this racing analogy comes to the surface, and, and Paul pictures himself in these words reaching forth and pressing. It's, it's like he's stretching. He can already see himself crossing the finish line of the race, so he's in the midst of running his race, but he all, already sees himself as getting to that finish line. You know, one of the greatest leadership principles in life is this, begin with the end in mind. I know that Stephen Covey's been credited with that, and he did a great job elaborating on it, but really this is a biblical principle. We begin with the end in mind. We're thinking now, what do I want then to look like, and I need to do the things now that will lead to then. And so here we are on the front end of 2017, and I'm saying as you look to this time next year, and you're imagining, what is it that I'd like my life to look like? What changes need to be implemented? What areas do I need to grow in? Uh, what is it that I need to be reading? What, what about my prayer life? What about my witnessing life? What about generosity in my life? As we imagine what it is we'd like for our life to look like then, we've got to be thinking now about how then will become. That works in a day. When I, when I go to bed tonight, what is it that I need to have gotten done? That, that works in a week. It works in a month. And it certainly works in the case of a year. You know, one of the best decisions you can make this year is to enter into it with all of your heart and to decide right now, today, I'm not going to quit along the way this year. I'm not going to throw in the towel. Now, listen, when I say quit, I, I mean, I know what I mean. A lot of people are still breathing, still have a pulse, who've just stopped really living life. And we need to make a decision. I am not going to quit in the course of this year. We all know the cliches. I heard just yesterday that uh, attendance in gyms across America is up 40% this time of year. 40% more people going to the gym. Uh, Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem, they're getting slammed with orders right now. Books are being bought uh, at high levels. Savings accounts are open. But many well-intentioned people fall off their plans simply because they miss the resolve that comes from a decision to finish. Paul said, let me tell you about this race I'm running. I can already see myself crossing that finish line. I've got the end in mind. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm pressing toward that mark. Solomon once wrote these words in Proverbs 13. He said, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. I, I love the first part of that verse. Let me, let me tell you what's sweet in life. What's sweet in life is when God gives you a desire and you, you live for that and the mission is accomplished. And you look back and see where you were. And understand where it is that God has brought you. And you say, man, that is sweet. That God did that in my life. Earlier in this letter, Paul wrote of the, of the process of this all in his life. In Philippians 1, he said this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There were moments in the journey of Paul's life where he could say, Listen, humanly there's no way at all, but I've got a God who began this work in me. He gave me the life I have. He gave me the year that I now have to live. He's given me the gifts I have, the talents I have, the opportunities I have. And this God who started this work in me, he can perform it. I'm not going to quit on him. 
I'm not going to give up on what he can do. I'm not going to give up on the way he can reconcile broken relationships and and resolve seemingly insurmountable obstacles. I'm not going to quit on the life that God has given me. You see, God promises to work through us as we follow his plan. But friends, let me tell you today, if we quit, we're opting out of the power of God in our lives. If we quit, we're opting out. I was talking with a friend this week, and he's going through some difficulty, and he was talking about, I'm just going to stop this. And I said, well, just call it what it is. You're going to quit. There's no way to rationalize around this. You see, the only way to stop moving forward in a life of faith is to quit. As long as we say, listen, God started this, God can finish this, I'm not going to give up on Him. God can make a good marriage, a great marriage. He can make a tough marriage, a victorious marriage. He can make parents that are struggling, parents that are rejoicing in what God's done. God can turn around whatever it is that we think is, is impossible. We need to have that heart that says, God, it's your life ultimately that I want living through me. Paul said, I press toward the mark. You know, the the Greek word in that verse uh, was translated back in verse 12 as to follow after. It was a hunting expression that means to pursue your prey. And so today I hope to encourage you to pursue this year. Pursue God's vision for your future. I pray that you will decide to grow. Don't get content. Don't get lazy. Don't get self-satisfied. Say, man, what a great God I serve. He's so great. There's always more for me to do. There's always more growth for me to enjoy. There's always something out there for me. Live the kind of life that says, you know something? I'll tell you what I'm going to do this year. I'm making a decision. I'm going to grow. I haven't attained. I haven't already arrived. I'm not totally perfect. I've got room yet to grow. Decide to grow. Some of you today, a great decision would be decide to forget. Don't let your past hold you back from your future. And I pray that that you will decide to finish. Just determine to live by faith and allow God to work through you. Decisions. Dynamic decisions. Dynamic means powerful. It's amazing to me that God, the God of the universe who created us, has put within all of us the capacity to make decisions. Which means we're culpable for what it is we decide and the results that come. We all have the power of choice today. Listen, you're not a victim. We all have the power of choice today. And although we have the power to decide, did you know that we have no choice over the consequence of our decisions? So New Year's getting started. We all have decisions to make. You have the power of choice. You don't have the power of consequence once the choice is made. Things are going to come our way we never could have imagined. I understand that. But I want you to know, in the general sense, this year will be exactly what we decide for it to be as we follow God's plan. Get in agreement with God and say, God, listen, uh, I'm going to grow because of you. Not, Not because of me, God. It's because of what you've done in me, what you can do through me. God, I'm going to forget some stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm not going to let my yesterday determine what my tomorrow is going to look like. We have to have that willingness, and we need to say, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. This year, I'm going to press all the way through. I'm going to, I'm going to run this race till it's done. As we began, I shared with you that 84% of those who have regrets, and regret is 
a burden to be borne. 84% of those who have regrets, it's because of what they did not do. And I believe one reason the holidays can be kind of a melancholy time is it's naturally a time of assessment. And I'm trying to get us powered up right now so this time next year we can look back with hearts of joy. Oh, we won't be where we need to be then either. We'll still have more room to grow. But hopefully in our hearts we can say, I'll tell you what I did this year. I moved forward. I advanced. I grew. I developed. God's grace in my life, he, he allowed some things to change. I paid off some debts I didn't think I'd get around to. I set aside an emergency fund. I never thought that would happen. I, I began preparing for this. I, I began to make this relationship better. I, I began to do some things that, that maybe never, never in a million years did I think would I get to. But I just started moving forward and God took me someplace I never could have imagined. I'm encouraging you today to decide to make the most of this year for the glory of God for the good of those around us. Let's power up and attack this year. That's the word, to pursue a prey. Let's attack this year with a great faith in a great God. Would y'all be so kind as you join me in standing? Why don't we bow our heads in a spirit of prayer? Our Father, today we are so thankful that you are God, that you've given us the lives that we have, Lord. We know that you created us we know that you sustain us. And God, as long as we're living this life that you've given us, I pray that we'd make the most of it. That we wouldn't get complacent. That we wouldn't get overcome with discouragement. That we wouldn't get lethargic. That we wouldn't just get plain lazy. God, I pray that you would stir up within the hearts of your people today a desire to know what it is to have your power working in them. And God, I pray that we would look at our lives and come to the right conclusion that they're gifts from you. And Lord, may we make a determination as we cooperate with you to grow. And God, I pray we'd leave some things behind that are holding us back. And God, I pray that we'd run this race with the end in mind, that we would begin to think now about, we, about what we want then to look like. And God, I pray that we'd finish this leg of our journey. Stir us up, God. Give us a, a holy, sacred discontentment of the status quo in our lives. God, help us to see that good enough is not good enough because of you, God, help us to live for your high purpose. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. And I wonder how many of you here would say, Pastor, as you shared that message, uh, that, was, that was a message that I could use in, in my life. There were some statements made, some truths that were shared that I need to get in my life as we head into a new year. I wonder, are there those about a testimony? Just to quickly raise hand, you'd say, Pastor, there's something in that message for me today. Are there those like that this morning? Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Let me tell you, God loves you. He loves you. The Apostle Paul made much of his life because he was a man that understood these decisions needed to be made. Not just the beginning of a year, but really on a daily basis. Daily basis. But you see, Paul could do all these things because he understood what it was to have a relationship with God by faith. But Paul knew that his journey ultimately would end in the presence of God in heaven. His sins had been forgiven. And until we have that established, 
man, we're just like mad hatters. We're working and working, but there's never any fulfillment, never any rest, never any real, ultimately deep, abiding peace. And so I want to ask this question today. I wonder, do you know for an absolute certainty, if you were to die today, that you'd spend forever in heaven with God? Are you certain of that? Are, are you sure of that? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I'm just not absolutely sure of that. And that's something that's kind of in my heart. Is this year's getting started? I, I really don't know where I'm at in terms of a relationship with God. Many hands have been raised today. I wonder, are there some others here today who say, Pastor, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm just not sure where I'm at in my relationship with God. I don't know that I have that eternal relationship with Him. Are there those by the testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. Pastor, you can think of me in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Maybe there are other decisions. You've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized, or maybe the Lord's putting it on your heart to unite with the church by way of membership. Here's how we're going to end this service today in a time of prayer. We're going to worship God in prayer. Uh, if you'd like to pray in the front of the, of the church here, I'll, I'll give an opportunity for that in a moment. You may do so. It's a place of prayer. If you want to pray at your seat, you can do that, husbands. If you want to grab your wives, if you want to grab a friend nearby, whatever. I, I want us to say, God, help us in these decisions. We're declaring this today in your name and asking for your help, knowing we can't do it on our own. If there are spiritual needs in your life, several uh, today indicated you're just not sure of that relationship with God. And, and you're free to go out the back door today still not knowing that. But I'll be here in the front with some others that serve with us. And we would love to talk with you and help you to see from God's word how you could be sure of that. And so in a moment, I'll, I'll invite those that uh, would like to be made sure of that relationship. Uh, you can come, and again, if there are other spiritual decisions, I'll be here as well. I love you guys. I want you to have a great, great, great new year for the glory of God. In a moment, Ryan's going to begin to sing, and as he does, I'm going to invite those who'd like to spend that time in prayer. You can come, make your seat a place of prayer. For those that would like some help in a spiritual area, I'll be here as well. I'll invite you to come at that time. y'all look this way God has been so good to us as individuals collectively as a church God's been good to us you know yesterday we had a service for young people eight young people came to know Jesus as their Savior yesterday I mean we're just getting yeah we'll